Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new episode of Geekscape. This is your favorite movies, video games, and comic book podcast. We also talk some TV and some pop culture, especially since we're on the road to San Diego Comic-Con. If you're going to San Diego, drop by the Geekscape booth. We'll be at 3919 on the floor. That's where we've been every year, uh, I think for the last five years. So look for us. I'm trying to get some brand new t-shirt designs for you. Uh, I hope they happen because we're going down to the wire. Uh, But I definitely, definitely, definitely will have that much uh, talked about Loot Crate giveaway box from our sponsors at Loot Crate. What happens with Loot Crate is they send me like all their boxes and there's just so much I can keep. A lot of it I give away to you guys. So if you've been watching those videos on our Facebook page, you see me unboxing the things and you see the stuff I keep. Some of it's really cool. And you see the stuff I give away. Well, a lot of that stuff is going in the, the this big box that I'm going to drag down to our booth. Come up to the booth, get some free stuff, get a t-shirt, and you know what? Meet some of uh, uh, the guests that I've had on the show. So we're going to try and get uh, some of our favorite guests and maybe some future guests to do signings and appearances at the booth all weekend long. But on the road to, to Comic-Con, just remember, go to lootcrate.com slash Geekscape. The promo code is Geekscape. It'll give you a discount on the order. So whether or not you like the anime box, the gaming box, or the the normal box, just the typical one, or the DX, which has like a lot of cool stuff. I had a couple statues in that one this month. You get a discount if you use the promo code Geekscape. Also, if you're a screenwriter running through July 16th, you can submit your scripts to the Stowe Story Labs in Stowe, Vermont. I submitted my screenplays, um, and it's a life-changing experience. You go up to Stowe for a couple days, and you work with mentors and peers on your story. Uh, the Fall Lab, which is the one that they're accepting applications to now, uh, you work through just – you pitch your story a lot, and you work through the, the main concepts of your story. And what it did for me was it really showed me that I have a lot of stuff I can do in the first act to cut it down, but also it helped me with the second and third act of my script – and maybe populating it with some of the drama I'd put in the first act, maybe as an insecure writer being like, hey, I really hope in the first act they get it. Listen, images are what films are built built on. Those give you emotions. They can carry a lot of that information. Some of that stuff, save it for the second and third act. That's where you want some of those punches to avoid some of those second act slumps. Also, I came back from the labs in September, and I don't know if you guys remember this, we shot a movie in Brazil. We shot that feature film, and I came back from the labs and immediately went to the director, Guy, who's a close friend of mine, and will be with us in San Diego. And I said, dude, we got to have a reading, like, right now, because we start, We were going to start shooting that movie in November, whether or not, you know, it was ready or not. Uh, long story, Guy got the money from uh, the Brazilian, uh, the, the country of Brazil. They have a film fund, and he had won it. But if you don't shoot in that calendar year... You give the money back, and it was a lot of money, so we had to start shooting. And the script, I didn't think it was ready. I came back from Stowe. I was focused. I was ready to go, and we cut that script and really uh, worked it into shape in the fall, in, in about a month. It was a, it was a good script. We needed it to be a really great script, uh, and the movie is much better for it. I've seen it. Hopefully, you geeks will see it soon. Don't worry. There will be subtitles. <laughs> it is in Portuguese, but I have to think the Stowe Story Labs. StoweStoryLabs.com. Use the promo code GeekLab and you get a discount on that application. So if you're a screenwriter, you got all that stuff, definitely submit. All right. We are going to be talking a lot of movies. We're going to be talking a lot of comics. Last week, it was awesome. We had Brian Wecht from the uh, Game Grumps on. We talked a lot of video games. If you want more video games, go to Geekscape Games and uh, listen to that podcast that Shane and the company do for you guys each week. But we are talking movies today. My guest 
Oliver Ridge, filmmaker, producer, writer, and actor, and he's getting himself into the comic book industry to try and make, you know, he wants to find this material. He's going to beat Hollywood to the punch. All these reactionary studio execs who are like, oh my God, Wonder Woman did so well. Let's make a Silver Sable movie. <laughs> like, he's like, you know what? There are better stories out there than just the four colored funnies, you know, and the Avengers and stuff like that. There are some real stories. And he's making it a, a point to go out and find them. And maybe he's running himself a little uh, cool contest you can be a part of that can find yours. And it's all going to center on Comic-Con, right? Am I being right, Oliver? And, uh, and let's talk about how you can be a part of it. So, Oliver, you came from England. I did, yeah. And you, wanna, you wanted to be an actor or a filmmaker or you wanted to be a director? I did. I still do, yeah. always uh-huh. wanted to be uh, a director, but I trained as an actor. But you've directed things. I directed short films, yeah. So you're a director. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it, exactly. Yeah, you're done. You're a director. Great. Okay, so Oliver here is a director. I need the chair now. That's um, only on set. <laughs> we were, you know, it's, it's, it's not very ergonomic. <laughs> so it's not recommended yeah, by it's not recommended. no no look at it we have nice chairs here at westwood one so let's stay in these chairs um but you're a director you've done some shorts you've produced a feature film yeah and you're good to go so talk to me about this thing um how'd this come about is, is there a name for your contest or is it just something you're doing like what is your initiative so we're calling it pitch the producer okay uh, we're hosting it at the the vault comics booth at comic-con okay it'll be on the on the thursday uh, from three to five and really because i found this book powerless the first comic book that, that i've been a part of with with my production company uh, doing it with with vault comics um really for me it's about finding new creators new material and and interesting stories as well from, you know, people that haven't been able to have their voice heard. And do they have to be superhero stories or are you looking for maybe just genre stories? So the caveat is it needs to be science fiction or fantasy. Okay. Those are, those are what Vault specialize in and, and that's what they look for. And I think from a storytelling perspective as well, it's what we're looking to try and tell. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what we're looking for, science fiction and fantasy. So let's take it from the beginning. Okay. You're an actor. You're going to a dramatic academy in London. Yeah, I went to the Drama Center, which trained uh, Tom Hardy, Fassbender, Brosnan, like really great Whoa. people. Yeah, I know, amazing. And acting people. is still something you're going to do. I, I mean, maybe. maybe what, what do you mean, maybe? Maybe one day. Something you're a good-looking that, dude. You're <sighs> tall, you're healthy, you're fit, you're ready to go. Well, thank you. Yeah, so maybe I should. Maybe I should get out auditioning again. You're going to do all of this, <laughs> okay? You're just a storyteller. Let's go with that. I have a god complex. I must create <laughs> things. I'm a storyteller. Um, is that what this is? Damn. When you call it a god accomplice, it makes it sound like you're going to turn into a supervillain. At the end of it, you're going to be in the middle of we like... We can't rule it out. A supernova creating hypercomputer. <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to turn into the freaking Omega Man. No, not Omega Man. Uh, the Lawnmower Man. Omega Man was 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 the, the I Am Legend remake from the 70s that wasn't very good with Charlton Heston. Lawnmower Man was the one where the person got himself into the computer and started becoming a singularity and going... It was the, You remember that one with Pierce Brosnan? Absolutely. That's got to be the end game. That's the God complex. Yeah. <laughs> is they take this guy who's like mentally deficient pushing a lawnmower and then they turn him into this supercomputer God. Well, you know, I mean, because you've been involved obviously not only in, in this and comics and independent mm-hmm. film, but you kind of end up wearing lots of different hats if you're in the independent world because, you know, you could be producing, writing, uh, you can be even working in the craft services table. Right. So it's really down to what is it you really want to do. And what I want to do is create, which is why I've kind of got into into comic books and short films and movies and commercials. Well, Oliver, what are some of your favorite stories? Like, what are the ones where, like, you saw it come up on the screen and you were like, yep, this is for me? Because I think all of us have that film. 
or that experience, you know? Uh, that film for me was Drive, actually, the Nicholas oh, really? Reffin film. That's a very recent movie. Yeah, that's what... What were you doing before then? Do you know what? I really struggled to find what I wanted to do in life. I mean, some people, maybe you found it you know, pretty quick that this uh, is what you wanted to do, but I was kind of struggling through working yeah. different jobs, doing different things. And I think high school-ish, I started figuring it out. It took me a little longer than yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I turned 30 this year, but it took me a little longer to really find what I wanted to do. Um, and I kind of had suspected it as well, but it's also... It's the unsafe option, isn't it? What we do, like the more kind of conservative, what most people do in life. Like oh, it's straight up moronic. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it, it is psychotic. It's like we were scratching lottery tickets every day. We're lunatics. We're masochists. We're, we're everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Narcissists. Narcissists. Yeah. Like, let's just call it. Yeah, call it as it is. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, that was the film that really inspired me the most. It was not- Drive. What about Drive? And, and of course, like Baby Driver came out. Uh, I'm, I'm recording this episode early because I'm going to the, nor- to the Northeast. Uh, to, to teach and do some speaking, but uh, Geekscape is, this one's a week early, but I'm just going to say in past tense, Baby Driver came out this past weekend, and it's a remake of Driver. I mean, it's kind of like an illusion. You know, it's kind of like Driver, which Drive was like. I love these kind of movies. Yeah, what too. was it about Drive that, like, we were like, yep, that's for me. It's uh, it's the silence, which is sounds it? crazy. But, Mm-mm. yeah, I just think it's such a visual medium and that we – we fill it so much in, in, in modern film with uh, exposition. And sure. I feel that for Drive, like so much is left to, to you. And obviously, a phenomenal actor, phenomenal director, phenomenal cinematographer, and the soundtrack is as well. Mm-hmm. So it just became this, this, this whole comp- big composition for me where I ended up enjoying it on all these different levels, but having my own personal experience with it because they're not force-feeding you with a bunch of lines they're really letting it sit and let you see how you feel in this if and that's what life is like you know like life is life doesn't just have a bunch of it doesn't have joseph gordon levitt in in inception sitting there explaining every single step to you you know what i mean kind of wish it did sometimes but no it doesn't no. yeah yeah it'd be a lot more boring true you know i mean i liked inception but it would be it it would be it'd be easy it'd be paint by numbers that's true so you watch drive and you, had you already thought about being an actor at that point? Um, I was actually already training uh, okay. at that point because I, I originally worked as, a, as an AD, as an assistant director. And for those of you that don't know, that might sound like, you know, oh, you're assisting the director. You're part of the creative process. No, not at all. Like I was basically parking cars and organizing yeah, call sheets. You're like a traffic cop. Basically, yeah, you're yeah. I had the high-visibility jacket. And, yeah. yeah, that's tough. And doing it in England as well. The weather is not like it is in L.A. I mm-hmm. mean, it's like raining sideways. I'm miserable. Like, I can't even drink my coffee before it gets, you know, it, it's already cold by the time I've made it. Right. I had a, I shot a music video in London. I had a, in my AD, tell me if he's taking the piss out of me, as you guys say. <laughs> he was calling me governor. No, no, that's He sincere. really talks like that? Yeah. Okay, because he's like, hey, governor. What's the next shot, Governor? How much? How, how many more setups you need, Governor? Yeah, no, can I we do this in five minutes, Governor? He may have been hitting on you as well. We can't rule that out. Okay, so Governor's like, "Hey, baby." Nah, <laughs> I don't know. No, I think it's a it's a sincere term. The dude is legit. Yeah, but we are um, for such a small country. We have so many different accents and vernaculars. It's, it's crazy. I mean, what is that about? You'd think that these people would get like closer than I think we've been around too long. Like English, I think the whole culture and the civilization, I think we just got bored and decided to start like segregating ourselves in a place that's the size uh-huh. of California. So, you know, this is wow. I mean, Cockney rhyming slang was invented so that, you know, they this particular group could only understand themselves and the outsiders. That's what it was designed for mm-hmm. in sort of like the way to like just isolationism. 
I guess so, yeah. But it kind of, I think it came from a lot of, uh, of pride as well. It's like, this is where we're from and this is who we are. And, you know, because England was being invaded constantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, constantly. It's probably being invaded right now. Well, Brexit. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> the opposite it, of it, invasion. Like, yeah, but it's like it's like being invaded by white nationalism from the you know. Uh, from the, yeah. I mean, we're dealing with it in our country as well. Is this white nationalist upsurge based on xenophobia and, and all this just fear mongering? It's you know, it's what happens uh, when you. I, th- I think that we're still having fallout from nine eleven, and we're having fallout from this global political shift. Um, that's just like oh fear can get people to jump when we say jump let's do it uh and it's turned out i I think the youth are i mean people our age are 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 hopefully mainly immune to that stuff and but maybe that's naivety of youth you know i don't know but as we said we're we're that's not really gonna apply to us much longer we're we're in our 30s now um we just got so real on geekscape so 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 you went to drama school you were like, I'm going to be a thespian. You saw Drive. You said, great. I don't even have to memorize lines. I let me do this. <laughs> Screenwriters hate working with me because I'm all I'm doing is taking taking dialogue out. Like, no, I think that. good screenwriters like working with you. Like 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 um, James Seamus' script for uh, Crouching Tiger, it's, 64, like four, six, it's like 68 pages because Crouching Tiger is so much, you know, like I said in the intro when we were talking about the Stowe Story Labs, like like visuals is what this is built on. Action is what scripts are built on. I think people have started glorifying dialogue in the, you know, Woody Allen. There's Every now and then there's somebody who does it well. There's a Woody Allen. There's a Quentin Tarantino. Uh, and then there's a bunch of people trying to be those people. <laughs> And it turns into just mm, not so good, Al. Um, so the whole time you're being an actor at this point, you've seen Drive, you say, hey, I want to also craft these narrative. I have stories that I have to tell. It's a, I don't think it's a God. I mean, I don't know. Is I don't think it's a God complex as much as it's like an exorcism of demons. You know what I mean? Like I, like, I was explaining to somebody this past week. Uh, and I was explaining to them like the ideas that I have for documentary versus the ideas I have for narrative. And really it's, I don't think it's a guard complex. I think it's, I have a ton of questions, like, like, uh, an annoying amount of questions. If the answers are in the outside world that exists, I would like to go make a documentary. If the answers I'm searching for are inside of me, why am I angry? Why am I sad? Why does this make me happy? What do I love? Then I then it's a film I need to write in pulling and like dredging the depths of myself to pull that stuff out and put it out in front of people. It's, a, you know, but at the same time, you can't just be this person who is just expression, 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 because there's no connection. Being evocative in finding that middle ground. And I'm saying this in the Westwood One studio while Oliver's Doing like five puppets. feet over there. If we find that little area that's in the middle of us, where I've evoked in you through expressing myself, we have this shared like thing, and that that's what that's what that is like. Like that's that's where like that really awesome. That's what films do so well is like having a bunch of strangers connect, and that's what we're trying to do. Absolutely. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's God Complex, and I just want to tell you what to think. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm just talking to you. I'm just. This is a jam session. Well, yeah. Hopefully, it's not telling me what to think. I I. I was like my company, my production company. Um, I was like, I need a, I need a like a. What do you, what do you call it? Like a. Come into the like mic a, tag, a little bit more. Yeah. Sorry, I need like a, 
like a tagline, like a yeah. motto. Well, what's it called? It's called Blood Moon Creative. So Blood Moon Creative. And so I'm guessing there are other creatives that are part of it. Like you're a creative there. There's another director, writer. Mm-hmm. There's other people. There's, there's some a few artists. Of us. There's all, yeah, we're all struggling. There's okay. a few of us, though. Well, but, no, if, if you're not struggling, you're not telling stories about anything. That's true. You know? Um, but we came up with uh, emotion in picture, which kind of completely comes back to what you were just saying. And so comics apply. Comics apply. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So Blood Moon Creative... And and you're standing there, and I mean, you write scripts too, right? You you put stuff down. Mm-hmm. So what happens at WonderCon where you walk along and you see someone's comic book? I'm holding it here in my hands. Uh, was it Vault? Was it a Vault comic at the time? No, Vault didn't actually exist at the time. Oh and wow! This is my first ever convention, and I'm a huge geek. This is this past WonderCon or WonderCon a year ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. Okay. Yeah. And so you're uh, down so in Anaheim. We're walking around with wide eyes, just. Being what am I going to do with my life? blown away by right. everything that I'm seeing. You know, That's what and, I do when I go to WonderCon. <laughs> just seeing the, you know, the cosplay and the, the depth of the material. And, and WonderCon, actually, in terms of a convention, is relatively small, but this was my first one. Um, t- I'm walking around, and, and I'm like, I know inside of me that uh, I want to make a comic book. And it's my entertainment lawyer is the one that's invited me down, and he's doing a panel with some people from, uh, from Boom Comics, actually. Mm-hmm. We and, love Boom. Boom, great. Um, and he introduced me to a, a bunch of people that he knows. Uh, so people like a Black Mask. I mean, if you know Black Mask, Black Mask phenomenal. Is awesome. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it, what's his name from, from Bad Religions comic? Certainly company. is. Yeah. Um, so I kind of went there with half in the back of my brain thinking, well, look, I want to make a, I want to make a comic book. Sure. You know, and I have to think about material I can find to turn into a film or a television show. So I started reading scripts because everyone wants their scripts to get sure. made. And this company at the time called CME, uh, pitched me some projects and Powerless, the book that you're holding in your hand, was one of them. And I was like, yeah, okay, this. I love I love the concept. I love how it's kind of the anti-comic book as well, like the story of uh, a world where everyone has powers. Mm-hmm. And there is this virus that if you catch it, it takes you away. And no one's ever been normal in this world. You know, you have 7 billion people with, with powers and one virus can take it all away. And I liked how it was just kind of turning that kind of classic comic book concept completely on its head. Right. And so I was like, "All right, this is this is what I want to do." And if you're powerless, you're like, uh, "Tell me the story here." If you, if you're powerless, then you're seen as a second class citizen, sort of thing. See, what's fascinating is that we follow the story in America, and this disease called PRV has just decimated countries all over the world. And America has become a very totalitarian state now, where mm. you know this this section of the government called quarantine is you know enforcing checks on on everyone, and you know you're seeing it in the poorer districts get really hit as well like in the terms of how their lives are being just so disrupted. So what it follows in America is no one really knows what happens to the infected. They're oh, just kind of taken they away. They just disappear. And that obviously leads into, that, into the story as to what's happening to these people, you know, who are just losing their powers. And, uh, and the virus is mutating as well. Like they're trying to stay, stay ahead of it. And, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting as the book picks up where well, there's been very few cases of, of PRV in, in America but the first case is someone going what's called Omega. And if you catch the Omega strain of the virus, instead of losing your powers, you get them out of control. So imagine you oh, have okay. super strength. You couldn't even touch your, you know, your wife or your right. kids without crushing them. You become a disco them. ball of superpowers. Like it, it's just anything. It will eventually kill you right. because you can't control it. 
And now it's not only are you living in fear of this virus, but now it's mutated, it's getting worse, and, and America is just in panic, and the government's trying to hold it together. And you have this group of either freedom fighters or terrorists called debaters, depending on how you choose to see them, who are trying to uncover what they believe is the truth because they're trying to figure out where this virus came from. Mm-hmm. Okay, and how I've got the first two issues here. I really want to have you guys at the Geekscape booth this summer to like share this stuff with the Geekscape. It's obviously, Vault Comics has a booth. Um, so we can get powerless there is there a website too there is a, yeah go to the vault comics website and you can see the the powerless section as well to see that and you know if you're interested in the book which i hope you are uh, then go to your local comic book store support some indie creators and and have a look and see what you think yeah i mean if you guys go to comic shops you see the the diamonds preview order form like throw this thing on there uh, i've even got a a signed copy here that we'll give it to one of you geekscapists uh send us an email if what would be the worst superhero to lose? You can leave it actually, leave it in the comments of our SoundCloud page uh, or email. You know, let's just do that. Go to SoundCloud, listen to the, you're probably listening to the show on SoundCloud. Just leave it in the comments of SoundCloud and say, like, what would be the worst superhero power to, have, to, to lose? Everybody talks about the greatest superhero power to have. What's the worst one to lose? You know, um, that'd be awesome. Uh, what would be like, I can't go on anymore because I lost my ability to blank. You can be hilarious, you can be fun, but the most creative, I'm going to end up mailing you this powerless co- comic book signed by the creators. Um, okay, so now I'm just like thinking. Okay, so you're, so you're thinking like about Blood Moon. You're walking around. Um, I think it's difficult to go to conventions. Uh, I stopped going to South by Southwest after we premiered our, doc- our documentary there a few years ago. I find it hard to be around creatives creatives creations I, I, I when you're not at the dance does that make sense i hate uh, it's like being at the dance and not dancing when you go to a convention and you're in, in, in it's none of your stuff or being at a film festival and you don't have one in it it's it's like really hard to be there you know what i mean like like for us it's excruciating because you just want to see this stuff come to life you again want to exercise these demons and just get it out i mean you took the other approach and said hey i'm not going to show up and pout I'm going to mix things up. I pouted a little bit. Right. I mean, do you do that? Do you get to a point where you're like, ooh, that's a really damn good idea, and it didn't get shaken out of my brain? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You have to appreciate, you know, what people create. It's like, mm-hmm. That's phenomenal. Or on the reverse, what we shouldn't do as human beings is judge people. But right. I do it all the time and be like, that's terrible. <laughs> you're an idiot. Well, people tell you, you know, I always make jokes, and we always say things. People are like, wow, that was really judgmental. And be like, I'm a writer. I write scripts for other people. I believe that that person that just caught me off in traffic is going to go. You know, I don't think that they cut me off in traffic because they're having a bad day and they maybe they need to rush home because they got an emergency phone call that, you know, the dog was left, the you know, here and there, the stove is still running. I, I don't think that they cut me off for that. You write these narratives that they cut you off because they're terrible human beings and in about 10 days they're going to run themselves into a brick wall and explode. Like, like that is what we think of when we're writers, but... Yeah, maybe I need to expand my abilities. Maybe I need to expand my narrative a little bit more than just going to the lowest common denominator. It's like, that person's going to explode against the wall. Miraculously. And for the record, I like your narrative. <laughs> it's a bit nihilistic, but um, have you have, did you see that video that went viral about the the guy driving on the freeway here the in LA? The motorcycle where he kicks yeah. in? That's so, crazy. Geekscape is what happens is, and I don't know anything about motorcycles except I don't want to get on them. And... <laughs> And uh, so you see this video, and it's a dashboard cam, 
I believe, or somebody just on a cell phone. And I guess this had been going on a while, this motorcycle on a Los Angeles freeway and this car. And I guess they'd been a bit heated enough for somebody who was driving along behind them to take out their cell phone and record this. And what they recorded was that the motorcycle, which I'm guessing was cut off, comes up on the left side of this car and kicks them a little bit with their shoe. And And I guess my friends who ride motorcycles say oh yeah like tapping a car with your boot is a way to let them know that you're there because sometimes they don't see you and it's a way to let them know hey you cut me off because you know you have to look out for yourself because we don't have any doors and walls (laughs) in a motorcycle so that's what this cycle this motorcyclist does the car freaks out tries turns a hard left to pin them and like squeeze them against the medium median, basically like smear them against the median, just wants to kill them. The the motorcycle hits the brakes, stops, the car goes into the median, like the front left of the vehicle crumbles. It you know, it whatever it does, it forces the car to then turn wildly in the other direction to the right into traffic. It hits a truck and and like rolls it. Yeah, the truck had nothing to do with the any of this. The truck had nothing to do with it. Just driving along. You know, if we were writing a narrative, he's probably a good human being. Like, he's on his way. <laughs> yep, exactly. Got to bury yes. this body in the desert. It gets, <laughs> gets creamed by this car. From gets creamed by this car. It's just like, holy cow. I mean, that's the thing. is, You see people having, like, road rage. It happens in L.A. You see them quite a bit. Uh, it's probably best to steer clear. I had a guy run into my car trying to do, you know, mess with somebody else in road rage. And, you know... He didn't drive away. He, we pulled into a parking lot. This was about five, six years ago. And he said, shit, that was on me. You know, and fuck. And I was like, dude, you instigated that by chasing this guy. And then he ended up pulling into my car and thank God everything was fine. And he was a mature individual. But he paid for my new, he paid for the front of my car. Yeah, that video, that's insane. Um, but we were talking about narrative and like creating those things for other people. Um, are we bored, Oliver? Like, like, what do you think it is? Are we bored or are we unsatisfied with reality? What do you think? Is it that negative? Well, as human beings, we're always unsatisfied, aren't right? We? Like, I, think, I don't know. Well, it's certainly. I mean, we only know our own experiences, mm-hmm. and I get criticized very heavily for being uh, too dark for for my views on 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 life and reality. But I think that certainly is what it is. is that we kind of, it's not that we're bored necessarily but we want to explore new things and we always feel i think that a little bit that the grass is is greener mm-hmm. so you know and trying to experience other experiences in other people that we think oh yeah let me look that guy's happy he's isn't that hope though if we're talking about two sides i mean oh, that's another it? uniquely human quality isn't it it's hope we need right. we need hope yeah it's tough because people do get criticized for thinking that the grass is green on the other side but it there's this coin with two sides and the side that I have is, uh, you know, you can look at the side, at one side and say, hey, like, I aspire for more. This sucks. <laughs> and on the other side of that coin is, I hope that there's something better out there. <laughs> and it's this, I don't know. I mean, you just got me thinking about it now. And I think it's a, like a fascinating dichotomy between us, uh, between our, our own internal process, because one can turn into a glass half full and one can turn into a glass half empty uh but as a as a storyteller how do you not just end up you know you listen to one and you're just gonna end up folding too much you listen to the other you're gonna delusional (laughs) where's the balance oliver i wish i could tell you i really do and i apologize for bringing you down to my (laughs) depressive emotional no no i like it that's why i like having you on the show all right good 
I like it because it's because it, this is this is what it, this, these are the questions I'm asking, and these are the questions that we ask as storytellers. Again, like if the questions are inside of you, and these are the things you're mulling over, there's a narrative that you might want to craft. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's no, interesting. Absolutely. I always thought that Batman's greatest villain was was Harvey. I never thought. Oh, uh, I, oh not Harvey. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, it, I always thought that Harvey it was, Dent. Two-Face. Yeah, I always thought it was Two Face. I never bought into this narrative that the Joker was Batman's arch nemesis. He just didn't make sense to me that the Joker, who is always the Joker, he wakes up and he's Joker. He goes to bed and he's Joker. And I get that he's anarchy and Batman is like order through fear, right? But I never thought the Joker was the perfect mirror for Bruce. I always thought that Harvey was. Harvey knew Bruce before Batman. That was Harvey the part that I always loved about the story. Yeah, it was tragic and it was beautiful and he knew him before he was Batman. And Bruce obviously knew him before he was Harvey mm. or before he was Two-Face. And I always felt like those two are the mirror images. But one has a secret and one doesn't, right? One has a weakness and the other one doesn't. That's the story I'd love to write for DC is be like, hey, let's just let's quit with the Joker crap. <laughs> like, come on, you're ruining Comic-Con because all these kids show up with their annoying, you know, I mean, how many Jokers do you see at Comic-Con? Yeah. Um, yeah. And Harvey's the villain. Harvey's the dude who can literally take Batman's life apart well, well, because always, he can take Bruce's life apart. Yeah, that's true. I always love the Harvey Dent stories because, you know, the stories where he's healed, you know, mm-hmm. and then they've explored it a few different times in, in, in different books where, you know, he's had the surgery on his face and, and he's had the... All Star Batman just did that as well with Tom Snyder, yeah, or with 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 Snyder, yeah, and it's Scott Snyder. He always goes back, you Mm -hmm. know, because he can't escape that. I mean, that is very much a part of 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 who he is now. There's a wonderful one that Rizzo did in and um, Eduardo Rizzo, and yeah, and Azzarello in Batman Noir, um, the with uh, Two Face getting um, getting healed, but it just keeps going back to to yeah. It was never just his face. Yeah, exactly. It's it's him. Yeah. What were the comics that you loved like growing up? Growing up, uh, the first book I ever actually bought was I was doing a road trip in, in Canada and back when Virgin Megastores was still a thing. Yeah. And I picked up uh, Ultimate X-Men Volume 7 and for years and years and years, like I was the kid with the, with the Xbox and my mother was trying to get me to read and she was like even buying me comic books. It's like, she's like, look, if you won't read a book, read this. There's pictures. Yeah. And I was still like, ah, you know, Halo, what am I going to do? But I read this book and that was it. Like that changed it. And I fell in love with it. I loved the uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man series so much. Then I went back and through through the classics and and did obviously I fell in love with Frank Miller and then moved off of Frank Miller's Batman into Sin City and loved those Sin City books like mm-hmm. that, that noir style. I mean, I, I just loved it. And then now uh, I actually find myself mostly reading, obviously Vault books, sure. um, but Image. You know, Shout out I, to Vault. Exactly. But Saga, I mean, do you read Saga? Saga's I, phenomenal. It's incredible. Really anything Brian K. Vaughan does, like Paper Girls, Saga, all that stuff's great. Have you read A Private Eye as well, the book that he yeah. put? Yeah. The digital first mm-hmm. book. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. I, um, I was the chump, though. I didn't read it for free on the internet. No, I bought the, <laughs> the, the, the hardcover collection. There's something about just... Here's the thing. Somebody called me the other day with my big calendar. I keep one of those wall calendars in my backpack, and I think this one's Kitty Cats. But... I bring out this obnoxious calendar and I put things in the calendar and they keep me from forgetting things. If something's digital, I forget it's there. Like if I, I, I've downloaded so many digital comics and I don't end up reading them because A, the proximity to distracting apps like Facebook and Twitter are on the same device. And B, if they're not taking up physical space in my world, I forget that they're there. And that calendar is there and 
I have to deal with it. You know, my comics are there and I have to deal with it or at least deal with the guilt that I paid for them and they are there. <laughs> I mean, like out of sight, out of mind is a real problem with me, especially with digital media. Moving with a comic book collection is always hard, isn't it? Did you do it? Because they get heavy. Yeah. Like, well, I, I didn't move over to, to England with them, but I, um, since I've been living here in the two and a half years, I, I moved apartment not long ago. And in that two and a half years, I realized I'd picked up a lot of comic books, a lot of those little Funko Pop vinyls, yeah. and I'm just like moving with them. And I'm like, it gets heavy after a while. But you also start looking at the money that you spent, and you're like, oh, yeah, huh. I try not to. I try to justify it by saying, hey, I'm straight edge, I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> I spend all that money on comics, but in my defense, it's not going to alcohol. But we'll see. It's not a race, people. <laughs> Sometimes when I say, uh, you know, when we start to compare each other to each other, I always say, hey, it's not a race. We all get the same going away gift. It's like six feet of dirt, <laughs> which is also a bit fatalistic, but whatever. Um, so what was it about Powerless that you were like made it? I think the first one that you were like, I'm going to go with this. I wanted to use the, the concept of the book, you know, in whatever capacity it would be to try and, you know, intro it to, to studios for a film and television. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in the indie spectrum in, in film and Hollywood's always strange. I'm sure, you know, you're always kind of two years behind. Because, you know, you make a film, which I did with my first film, and then you go to the festival circuit, and then you, I mean, editing's obviously a long process, yeah. and you do festival circuits. Making the films a year, the festival's is a year, mm-hmm, and exactly. then you're ready to go again. So you're kind of always two years behind. Right. So, and then with this, I was like, well, I can use this as, a, as not only making something that I truly love uh, in, in making a comic book, but I can also use it as a way to intro myself to, to different studios because studios are always looking to pick up content even making it is a completely different story as, as I'm sure you know but picking up options and that sort of thing and I could see Powerless as a, as a television show or, or as a film and, and then of course Powerless the actual TV show that DC did came out tanked yeah, just got now, canceled. Well, which I'm okay with because sure. I was always a bit worried that we'd you know, cross over on the name yeah, and there's also Powers, the Brian Michael Bendis, mm-hmm. you know, Michael Avon Emming book. And it's just, you're going to run into those things. And good ideas are good ideas. You know, uh, I looked at the, the cover of the first issue of Powerless. So I was like, what? Is that the Gen 13 character? You know, remember she had blue hair and like the pink? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love yeah, I love the way she looks. Yeah. I love that character. It is cool. Um, and so, like, what is your, first off, I'm going to ask you a few things. Okay. Um, what comic would be your dream adaptation if you're like hey i want to make this i want to put this on screen uh, i want to make batman year one for hbo as a miniseries oh that'd be cool that's what i really want to do mm-hmm. yeah and how would it differentiate from batman begins the christopher nolan movie that's basically batman year one well i want to try and keep it in the same time setting that you know that miller kept it in as well mm-hmm. and like having that that gritty style as well because i mean i, I loved batman begins you know, i love sure. the, the nolan trilogy but i just felt that there's so much that is was kind of overlooked in the in that Bruce Wayne becoming Batman and that struggle and the wonderful scene where the bat comes through the window when he's bleeding to death and he knows that he can ring the bell to call Alfred for help or, you know, he could just die. Mm-hmm. And he's like talking to the, the painting of his father. And it's, it's, I just always could see that as being something that I wanted to adapt. And maybe one day. I think I think Batman of you know the Batman Beyond or in England the Batman of the Future. I think that should be a film. They called it Batman of the Future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some things get different names when when it goes over, overseas. But yeah, we were Batman of the Future. Future Batman. Future Batman would have also worked. Yeah. The wow. What, what do you story. think it was about Batman Beyond that like people were like, well, I don't think they're going to get it here. 
I wish I could tell you some of the decisions that, you know, these... Batman the Future is kind of... You're cool with that title? It sounds oh, like... this is the only title I knew. I didn't know. Whoa. I come over here and it's Batman Beyond. So well, I was like, all right. It's kind of more badass, right? Batman Beyond's kind of like a... It's kind of badass. Well, luckily, it was the same show, at least. Yeah, there is that. Um, okay, so you're a big Batman fan. I am, yeah. I think that kind of happens as you get older. I mean, as a kid, I was like running around dressed as Spider-Man, probably preventing my mom from doing her day-to-day routines, trying to get her to like actively engage in you know, playing the role of a hostage or something like that. But as you kind of get older and my worldview got darker, it seemed to line up with Batman. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. Now, can you justify him to me? Because I hate him. <laughs> he's the how can you hate him he's the epitome of like everything we can be as a human being like everything that we can achieve the perfect the perfect athlete detective uh, it's he's everything that we can aspire to be whereas superman is everything that we can never be oliver listen this psychotic has a jillion dollars and he wants to solve crime in gotham city and he could easily do it with a check and instead he dresses like a rodent and punches people in the face one at a time he does not have the macro view of gotham city in mind why doesn't he just i don't know let's start with arkham make it better (laughs) like refinance it so it's not a revolving door for a bunch of maniacs i think bruce is a violence prone psychopath who has to dress in snm gear and punch people in the face or he's not happy and batman is his excuse for doing it (laughs) i don't understand how he doesn't just solve crime with his checkbook I think the biggest problem with that is you're going to run out of stories pretty quick. If, if Arkham wasn't, if the GCPD weren't incompetent, then you know you're going to run out of material really quickly. If he, you know, it's like why doesn't Bruce just back some actual nice politicians and try and turn that place into a metropolis? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like Bat Bruce, tell us what how you really feel. You love violence, don't you? I wouldn't mind being a shrink. Actually, that could be fun. That'd like, be a great series. Yeah, Bruce's shrink. I mean, Bruce's shrink would turn into Harley Quinn really quickly. That person would go nuts. So, so whenever I meet a Batman fan, I always say, "Okay, like, listen, I don't. I think that my view on Bruce is almost like indefensible because at the end of the day, you have this billionaire who won't use his billions for good, yet he will go and use violence for good. And is that actually a hero or just a not like a like a an egotistical?" vigilante which i mean you can argue that any vigilante is egotistical because they think they're the solution to a social problem when society should be the solution to a social problem right um like i'm 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 working really hard to love bruce wayne and i and i just the more i think about it, the less i do and i don't mean to take it away from you Oh, and you can't. Don't okay. worry. It's, it's unmovable. So, so celebrate him for me, please. <laughs> I mean, take this man who's been through so much and takes it upon himself. Instead of actually, you know, using his resources and billions to, you know, outsource it, he takes it upon himself for right or wrong. I mean, you know, you can, it's impossible to argue with what you're saying. In the same way that, you know, the science and, I mean, take the physics of comic books as well. Sure. It's just like, they're, they're, it's pretty easy to poke holes in a lot of the things that we love. Yeah, you do have to, you do have to, to suspend reality for a bit <laughs> absolutely but this man's reality is, is what he is doing right for right or wrong ethically is is the right thing to do is the good thing to do and you know he has devoted his life to this to the point where you know he has these two identities but really he only has one like he, you know he is batman bruce wayne is he's very much his his almost uh, his, his his pretend like i think he feels much more comfortable being batman i agree and it scares me i it's meant to yeah um he did not lose his planet. 
He did not. And he did not live a bunch of, um, among a bunch of people he will never be one of. That's true. And yet he tries to inspire them through hope. I think there's a. I think I, that's what I love about Superman is that, you know, he will never be one of us. And many of us hate him for it. Yet he says, he gets up in the morning and he says, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to try and inspire these people. I'm still going to be the light in their, you know, in their lives and try and save them. Um, not... I mean, for many of them, he's going to save them through example, right? And then that way he has a very strict moral code. And I think that's why the Batman Superman stories are so great, that they have different solutions for what mainly is the same problem. Bad guys exist. (laughs) Bad guys need to be stopped. You know, and seeing them two together is like the same way of fascination I have with those Daredevil Frank Castle stories that are just so fucking awesome. Is like these people have two solutions for the same problem. And... They're going to butt heads, you know? And that's what's so fascinating about it. I just, you know, whenever I meet somebody who's like a fan of this stuff, I was like, oh, the great, great. I need to find out why. We got we to gotta celebrate this. Let's throw it together and see what happens. Well, the great thing that it actually does is it creates, you know, this exact situation where you have two fans of something that mm-hmm. just so adamantly love something that can go off of each other and have different opinions. Right. I mean, and that's actually one of the things I love about this, about this. Sure. Is because it does create the whole question of, you know, who's the villain? And who are the heroes? And it really comes down to who, you know, the person reading it. Right. So with Powerless, you've got people who, like, is the solution a lack of powers for everyone? Is the solution power? So really you're writing about, like, a democracy in some point and, like, in, like, the imbalance. So, I mean, this could be the same story about poverty. This could be a story about wealth. This could be a story about a story about the third world. And I think in a lot of ways, from what you've been telling me, Powerless is a story of those things. Did you ever read Black Hole? No, that graphic novel, Black Hole. It, what you what you're writing reminded me of Black Hole, but Black Hole is a little bit more indie. Daniel Klaus and it's one of these movies that's always it's one of these books that's always been flirted with about being becoming a movie, but it's really horrific. It's about a, um, an STD that will physically change you if you contract it in in like a horrific way. Like you'll grow like a weird misshapen nose and like ears. You know, your ears will turn into like you know, Dumbo ears and you'll have like warts break out all over your face. And so you can't hide your STD and it's about this. And so the people who have it can really all go live. They can really only like go live in like the, like this cloisters, like outskirts of society where like the cloisters is like where gay men used to go in like the sixties to have, to have sex because society didn't accept them. So you have these group of, of, of teenagers like giving each other this disease and society shuns them. You can't walk down the, the hallway in high school because you have hair growing on your face. You know what I mean? And people know that you contracted this thing and it's like this really horrific thing. And I guess in Powerless, you would see that somebody without powers clearly cannot fly, clearly cannot bend steel, clearly cannot do that thing and they are shunned by their peers. And unlike Black Hole and Powerless, if they are absolutely more powerful than you now, if there's an actual physical power discrepancy, are people getting taken off of the streets maybe for their own protection? Is that the reason they're being used – that's being used to disappear them? <laughs> like we're trying to help. It's like really like push off a cliff. I don't know. <laughs> You're going to the death camps. I don't know. Well, that's the question and no right. one knows. And that's where you have this group uh, called debaters really trying to find out what is actually happening. It's interesting. I mean some of the comparisons. I'm just, spitting, I'm just going crazy. I'm just like spitting stuff. I haven't read the comic. I'm just – like throwing stuff out here because well, no, I think it's a cool idea. Well, yeah, and uh, please, black hole, don't sue us. 
No, Black Hole's yeah. like a, it's like an, it's almost like a Daniel Klaus book. It's like totally its own thing. It's an interesting, actually, there's a scene. It's in not there. powers. It's like, it's like normal people getting STDs. It's not, there's no superpowers in, 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 in Black Hole. It's just a generic rule now living, yeah. in, living in America. It's like, please just don't sue me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're a bit of a litigious society, yeah. It's, there's an interesting scene, actually, in the book where it's suspected that one of the kids that we follow, because it's kind of told a little bit like a uh, World War Z in the fact of, uh, like, it's different accounts, oh, you know, cool. different stories. Yeah. Like, not just, I mean, there is a protagonist that I would argue is probably Billy Bannister, who is, is, is a cop. He's one of the leaders of the quarantine, uh, one of their top agents. Um, but it follows his younger brother, and it's suspected by his peers at high school that he's contracted the disease. And it's not been confirmed, but they're like, you know, write disparaging messages on and his now locker. Target. They're shunning him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it's, it, it mirrors that sort of, that shunning, you know. What are the next steps? Like, are you going to direct this thing? You going to maybe direct a little short based on it? Take that, it around? Sizzle? Teaser? What you got? So the next step, obviously, is San Diego, where, you know, I'm going to bring a whole bunch of copies to your booth and we're going to give them away. We'll, sure. we'll, we'll get like a T-shirt gun, but like a comic Ty- book yeah. gun. I saw just... Tyrese do that a few years ago. Oh, wait, he was selling his for $10 and people started giving him back. That's right. <laughs> we, we'll give them out. We'll give, yeah. we'll, we'll give, we'll give some away it's one of our most. It's one of our most favorite stories here on Geekscape was the year that we all went to San Diego Comic-Con and Tyrese was giving away his comic. Oh, wait. And then he was asking for $10 for them after he had handed them to people. Ouch. And people just started handing back the comic, and he got in a reverse tug-of-war with, like, a 10-year-old kid. It was pretty hilarious. He ended up paying out money. He got it all wrong. He's like, he, yeah. I don't know, Tyrese. It's awesome that you were part of Beats Headphones because otherwise, we, I don't know. I don't know if that one worked out, that the comic book mayhem. Don't know if mayhem worked in your favor. So, you know, we're going to have this thing at the booth. Uh, obviously, you guys have all comics have a booth. Uh, and we'll visit you guys there too. Um, what else are you looking for? What other stuff? Are you going to go to San Diego looking for more properties or are the Geekscapists and other comic creators going to bring them to you? Talk about this contest. Come and find us. Come and find us as we pitch the producer on, on Thursday, 3 to 5 at the Vault booth. So tell me how this works. Do people sign up in advance? Like right now, do I go to an email and say, I'm going to pitch the producer. Please find me a five-minute slot in it. How long do I have to pitch? You have five minutes to pitch. Okay. And you could come come along anywhere between that time frame. And, and it's on and we'll Thursday. It's on Thursday. When do we sign up for these things? You don't need to sign up. Just come on down. Okay. So come on down. So this is the thing. You find the vault. Here's, what, here's how you use Preview Night. You ready, creators? You use Preview Night. That's Wednesday night at San Diego Comic Con to come by Geekscape and get some stuff. No. You use it to look at the preview guide and say, where's the vault comics booth? I got to be there at 3 o'clock to pitch. Oliver on this thing and then you got to get your pitch ready and again like it's a little late but the story labs all you do is you pitch your story over and over and over and over again for that first fall lab and it really helps you know what your story is about so when you show up at three o'clock at the vault comics lab you better know what your damn story is about because Oliver's going to be sitting here and you know the dude's a negative Nancy just listen to him talk about Batman and you know humanity's downfall just listen to this guy we should be we should be like a superhero team. I can be like this the the the, uh, the optimistic idiot, and you can be like the guy who's like in reality and like Done. be like no. I, I love it. I need a, I need a better name than negative Nancy though. I'm no. not sure I can fight crime as negative Nancy. You, you no, know, never. Uh, we gotta find. <laughs> we'll find you a badass name like a shadow name, like something badass. You know. Done. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it cool. out. We'll get it, won't, it, it won't be negative Nancy, but we'll team up and. I'll tell you what, tell me if, you know, if, if Jonathan sent it. you. Yeah, if Jonathan sent you to the pitch, I'll give you some free books as well. In a sixth minute. No, <laughs> I mean, do you like being pitched to? Like, do you like it or are you just going to see how it goes? And then what's the step? Like, let's say, so, let's say you like the pitch. Let's say, like, 
Now you've got uh, how many pitches is that you got in, in an hour? Like that's uh, let's do the math. Potentially, it's a lot. Potentially, it's a lot. Okay, so you, you let you, in a two hour period, you've got what? Um, do the math, Geekscapist. Uh, you know, you've got twenty four of these pitches, right? So you've got these pitches, and um, you you know, I guess forty eight now. You think about two hours. So you've got these pitches. Let's say you like a handful of them. What do you do then? Like, what are you offering the the the, the creative if Oliver likes your pitch? So, as part of my deal with with Vault and how we work together, is mm-hmm. you know, I'll be sat there, and the publisher of Vault Comics, Damian Wassel, is going to be there as mm-hmm. well. So, you'll be pitching to the both of us. Yeah. And if we like your idea, then we're going to move on to the scripts, and we're going to start working with the scripts with you and making a comic. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And then that's where my production company is going to come in, and Vault's going to come in, and and if we find a book that we really truly love, and the scripts are there, then you know, next step obviously is art. Art is the most important thing, really, in a comic book, especially in the uh, in the indie spectrum. And we'll work to get it developed, and then we'll get it into print, and then we'll have it in our hands. Maybe in a year's time, you know, we'll be coming back with the first issue or something that we found in San Diego. Exactly. Yeah, in a four-three movie deal. Exactly. For my idea, Magic Squirrel Friends. I like that idea. Magic Squirrel Friends. It's pretty bloody. There's a lot of bad stuff going down, but yeah. oh wait, that's like Tree Friends. No, never mind. It's kind of like the Drive trailer where people have the, that <laughs> woman <laughs> <that> sued <laughs> Refin for the really? Drive being nothing like the trailer. So we kind of have magic squirrel. Wait, friends. that happened. That did happen. Yeah, and she was like, "I was traumatized. What did this, she was want? Not, this was not the film I was expecting." Wait, what was the trailer? Was nothing but mood, and the movie is nothing but mood. What did that person want? It's a bunch of tone. It's actually, if you go back and watch the original trailer, the release trailer, it kind of does look like you know this kind of heist getaway kind of film. And okay. of course, there's elements of this. You know, she wasn't expecting the violence and that sort of stuff. And I think she's crazy for for suing, yeah. for not liking the film. But we'll have that with magic squirrel friends. A bunch of disgruntled mums <laughs> being like, "This was <laughs> this, this for was, my child." Yeah. What is it? It's Happy Tree Friends. Happy Tree Friends is this animated cartoon. Um, no, we'll think of an idea. We'll think of an idea, and it'll you know it'll just be ridiculous and stupid. And don't go for it. I'll record. I'll record your pitch and share my, it with your. My fans. pitch will be like, "There's a far off planet, all right, and there's these beans, and they grow out of the ground, <laughs> and the beans turn into lizards, <laughs> and the lizard people jump in these surfboards, and they come to Earth." And they no, I can't. I'm trying to be dumber, and and, and I'm being buoyed up by my own. Uh, never mind. Um, it was getting better. It was getting there. It was getting there. There was something there. Lizards on surfboards. We're there. We'll get sued by the Ninja Turtles. Um, <laughs> you just can't move everything. What hasn't been done, Oliver? Why is that horrible quote? Isn't there that every story's already been told? Yeah, um, but I don't think that's true. But you do end up borrowing elements from these things that you love and mm-hmm. i think it's okay to borrow outright I, stealing maybe not so much and i heard this uh uh director say like what there's, there's really only two stories there's the resurrection and the uh and and um the story of of him being nailed to the cross like there's there's only two there's like you're going down or you're going up <laughs> you know you're, you're living or you're dying and there's two stories and i think that actually goes back to what we were saying is like you know, there's a the downbeat side of the coin, and then there's the upbeat side of the coin. There's a hopeful side of the coin and the realistic side of the coin, and we have to exist at, in both at the, at the same time. Because obviously, if you were that um, negative, Oliver, you wouldn't be doing this at all. No, of course not. You know, you would be hoping to uh, make some of this stuff. 
Um, well, I know how hard it is to get your stuff made as well. And we're, as geeks, you know, talking for the geek people very broadly, we're very imaginative people. I mean, mm-hmm. I sit in, in my ideas and my concepts all the time, and it's a very daunting task to get them made. And what Volt are doing and what I'm doing and, and Blood Moon certainly is doing as well is that we're giving you the opportunity to, to not only have your ideas heard but potentially made, you know, and we're taking away a lot of the steps as well because, you know, if you're pitching to, to Image or a Boom and, and all these things, like it's very easy to get lost in the machine. But, I mean, Volta doing wonderful things with their indie comics. Heathen's been a massive success. Powerless is, is, is shifting a lot for indie indie creators and... They've got their new book that's being backed by Mark Wahlberg, uh, Alien Bounty Hunter as well, that's premiering at Comic-Con. So like, they're a great brand, and so you should check out for sure, but they'd be a great thing to be a part of. Isn't that crazy that you just describe Boom and Image as the machine, but that's like... They were, that, they were designed dude, to be remember? the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. That's There's what I'm so saying. There's so many like, image books now. Like Dark Horse is... Like Mike Richardson was like, this is going to be an alternative to DC and Marvel. And here we are 30 years later, and you think a Dark Horse is part of the machine and like image absolutely so much content now isn't there have you seen the I dc crossovers as well with looney tunes like the crazy yeah. crossovers now i want to buy the batman elmer fudd one that comes out on wednesday I, think. I thought future quest was like my favorite future quest was like the one that i thought was cool the one that was all the hannah Barbera characters like i thought that was actually really well done um okay so this is what you're going to do geekscapists if you're creative you're going to think of that five minute pitch you're going to come to comic-con you're going to get some free stuff from our loot crate box then you're going to go over to Vault Comics from 3 to 5 on Thursday, and you're going to pitch. If you guys get some kick-ass pitches, is there a chance? Because Saturday and Sunday are bigger. Like, Saturday is the big day. Sunday is there is. a chance you may open up another pitch session? There certainly is. Maybe that's we'll not guaranteed. Booth. It's not guaranteed, Geekscapists. So 3 to 5 at the Vault Comic book on uh, comics, comics booth on Thursdays. We're going to be 3 to 5 at the Vault Comics booth, and you're going to pitch this thing. Um, it can't be any worse than what I would pitch. Um, and then for sure, uh, check the Geekscape website. We're going to put up a calendar. Matt Kelly and I are working on the uh, calendar of guest signings. We have a couple of people signed up, no pun intended, signed up now. Um, we're going to release that the week of Comic-Con. So our booth number is 3919. Just anticipate if you're in San Diego to come by the booth because we're going to have people signing as, you know, as many friends as we can have. Come hang out. Oliver will be there. Hopefully the Vault Comics uh, kids will come with them. Uh, we just want it to be a celebration. Like the same way the podcast and the website and our Facebook and everything is just kind of a celebration of, you know, the stuff that we love. That's what the booth ideally is too. We just want to have fun. And San Diego is awesome every year. So this is what you're going to do. We're going to find Oliver online. At, what's the what's the Blood Moon uh, creative website? Do they have a website? So we do have a website that's being built, but the best way to find us is on Twitter. Perfect. Yep, at Blood Moon Create, or you can find me on Twitter at, at, at OMRidge. Perfect. R-I-D-G-E. And yeah, we'll be posting and follow Vault as well. Like they've got a, a bigger presence than, than my production company, but we'll be, pitch, we'll be pushing everything, you know, all the dates of signings and, and when the pitch session's going to be and where to find us and our booth number when they give it to us. So you're going to do that. You're also going to go to our Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube and Instagram, so like that you know on Twitter and Facebook we're going to be shouting out both Blood Moon and the Vault Comics folks. We're going to have them in our booth hanging out with us in San Diego. You're going to go to San Diego if you're going to San Diego and go to booth 3919 where we're going to be doing that stuff. Um, if you love horror movies, you're going to check out Matt's podcast at um, the uh, Horror Movie Night podcast. I got to give a shout out. Matt, um, earlier the, uh, this, I guess, last month, uh, did a drive, a 24-hour drive for uh, to benefit 
raise money against ALS, and he and Scott and Adam watched horrible, horrible movies for 24 hours as they raised money on Twitch. I think that's amazing. And speaking of Twitch, we got the Geekscape Games kids. They do their Twitch. They, they record their podcasts about video games live on Twitch every week. Uh, those are podcasts if you're into horror movies, if you're into video games, we got it. If you're into Deep Space Nine, we've got the Seven of Wine podcast. And if you're into 90s television, we've got the 90s TV hour that Jenny hosts. And all that stuff is on Geekscape, okay? If you like Geekscape, if this is your first Geekscape or your 442nd Geekscape, which I think is the numbering, do us a favor. Go on iTunes, leave us a review. It really helps our visibility out a lot. You guys ask, hey, what helps you out the most? Is it buying a T-shirt? Is it visiting the website? You know what helps a lot? Going to iTunes and reviewing Geekscape. Uh, That really helps our visibility, and that means more subscribers. And that means we can slowly but surely build this city (laughs) like Starship. (laughs) Um, Obviously, visit our sponsors at Loot Crate and the Stowe Story Labs and just go for it. Um, like that pitch session, Oliver, you've been an awesome guest. There's a million things that we can still talk about because we haven't even talked about your filmmaking, but this I, was the important thing. I trust that you're going to be back. I trust that we're going to be friends and we're, the filmmaking stuff is going to keep coming. Um, dude, I hope you the most luck with this pitch thing. I hope you get some amazing ideas. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, dude. It's awesome. I love talking to creative people, especially love talking to Batman fans because I, I need to open my heart to him. You can't see his face, but he's so excited. Just a fight with a Batman fan? Like, yeah. <laughs> not a fight. It's a discussion. It's an exploration. <laughs> Anyone that says that, it's not a fight, it's a discussion. It's a fight. Yeah, I just figure this character's been around 80 years. There's something about him. People, like, there's got to be some justification of this guy. You have to see it in yourself. I think that's what it is. There's no darkness within me. <laughs> <laughs> we will... Uh, We'll we'll be uh, here next week, okay, Geekscapist? Over and out.